So joining us for today's podcast is Dave Marcotte. Dave is the executive director of the Indiana Urban Schools Association. Dave, you're gracious enough to sit down with us today, and I know you're going to make a presentation at our Board of School Trustees meeting. Before we even get into the topic, tell us a little bit about what is, in a nutshell, Urban Schools Association. Well, thank you so much for having me. I, sure. I, I, I'm just really thrilled to be here. And uh, I was just joking with Mr. Cameron that there's not much happening on I-69 this morning. <laughs> no, I don't doubt that. Down. But anyway, uh, yes, the, uh, the Indiana Urban Schools Association is a consortium of 36 school districts okay. across Indiana. Uh, Evansville Vandenberg of, uh, is a very valued member sure. of, our, of our association. And um, of the 36 school districts, we represent 350,000 students in this state, which is approximately wow. a little over one-third of the entire state population sure. is just within— I don't know that many people would think it would represent a third yeah, of the Indiana students. Just 36 school districts, about a wow. third of the student population. And it's it's mainly focused in Marion County and in Lake County. Mm-hmm. However, we have Fort Wayne and Evansville and uh, Monroe County and Bartholomew County and Richmond and Kokomo. So— we 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 are all over the we're all over the state. So we're we're very active, and part of my role as the executive director is not only to coordinate the six times a year the group superintendents meet, mm-hmm. but I, I'm also a lobbyist at the state house. And during the session, right. which is what we're involved in right now, I'm down there quite a bit talking sure. to legislators and testifying on legislation. And really, I'm sure speaking on behalf of districts like EVSC that really have diverse grouping of students that serve populations uh, just like Evansville does. Absolutely. I, I tell people that I am an unapologetic, passionate supporter of urban education. Wow. Yes. Fantastic. So, and and, and I, we're just real, real excited because we're, we're, we're very involved and, and uh, we're starting to make a, an impact at the state house and people are actually asking me yeah. the the opinions and thoughts on legislation from urban school superintendents. <laughs> and how crucial is that to have that voice at the table or so, to be present in Indianapolis? And that's a great analogy that you use is, is that we are at the table. And I work very closely with the school boards association, the superintendents association, the school business officials association, and the principals association, and, and even the small and rural schools association. We all work collaboratively together because when it comes right down to it, we're all there for the same reasons, and that is to support the children of Indiana. Sure, yeah. sure. Well, thanks again for being here. I, I know it's going to be really interesting to hear your take on things. So I know tonight at the board meeting, uh, you're going to be talking about funding, and I know that is a complicated topic. So Very we could spend the next uh, two weeks here discussing that, but obviously time's going to limit us. So, Dave, if you would just jump in and talk to us a little bit about what information you want people to take away when they hear this. Sure. I have been traveling the state uh, giving this presentation to member school boards. I've mm-hmm. um, been to East Chicago and Kokomo, uh, Wayne Township, uh, Beach Grove. Um, I'm going to be at Pike Township later this week, back up to Goshen in a couple of weeks. So I, I'm, what, I'm, what I've done is that I've created a presentation where I'm showing uh, where the dollars of tuition support are going. Um, I'm just focused on tuition support because you're right. It is a complicated mm-hmm. system when it comes to school funding. So I'm just focused on tuition support, which is basically two things. There's two pieces of tuition support the basic grant and the complexity grant. And tuition support is the main funding mechanism the state of Indiana provides school districts to educate the children. And so the basic grant is stable 
every school district in the state receives a certain dollar amount Mm -hmm. every year. But the complexity grant depends upon the complexity index, which is based upon various factors of poverty within a community. And that's the piece that's been changing over the last three bienniums. And all this information I have sharing with you now and I'll be presenting tonight is straight off the DOE website. I was going to say, there's no secrets here. There's no secrets here. It's all on the Department of Education website. And so what's been happening in the last three bienniums. And and before you even say that, I want to make sure we're clear and on the same page for people listening. We're talking about the funding that it takes to operate a school system like the EBSC. So every dollar that it takes to fund paying teachers, you name it. Right is what you're talking about. The main funding mechanism is tuition support. I'm not talking about other sources of revenue because like you already stated, it gets complicated. And so you have uh, federal special education dollars, Title I dollars, there's other sources of revenue that I I am not talking about. Right, right. You're talking about that core funding. Which is that core funding dollar amount that the state provides per child to educate the children, which, like you already mentioned, it, it it does support instructional supplies. It 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 pays it pays the bills. Mm-hmm. It pays the teachers. It pays the bus. Tra- I mean, it, right. it it just pays for everything that that a school district um, provides children. So my my main emphasis is just to show over the past three bienniums how the complexity funding, because my the title of my presentation tonight is complexity, funding, okay, and how that has been reduced significantly to the point where it's offsetting the amount of increases we're getting on the basic grant. And there's also a shift going on where the districts that are considered high complexity, meaning there's high populations of families on TANF and SNAP, which is the old welfare, we used to call it welfare and Mm -hmm. food stamps. Now it's called TANF and SNAP. It's an acronym for uh, programs, federal programs. The, the, The funding increases in Indiana are being reduced at the high-complexity districts like in Indianapolis Public Schools or Fort Wayne or in Evansville. Mm-hmm. And they're actually being increased for low-complexity school districts around the state. So ju- what is your ass- – why? I guess, you know, I hear that information and I think you're saying that districts, large districts, urban districts like EVSC, like IPS, are seeing their funding really reduced, if, if you will, because of the complexity where some districts that are serving students that maybe are not quite as expensive to educate, for mm-hmm. lack of a better mm-hmm. description. Mm-hmm. Wh- why the shift? That's a good, that's a good description. The legislators are telling us that Indiana is less poor. We like to push back on that because their metric of saying that Indiana is less poor is that there's fewer families on TANF and SNAP than when the complexity index was based on free reduced lunch. Okay. That shift was made a few years ago because there was thoughts at the statehouse that people weren't telling the truth on free and reduced lunch applications. And that school districts didn't do a good job of monitoring the information that was placed on free and reduced lunch forms, mm-hmm. even though that isn't the responsibility of the school sure. district. But and so they said, let's let's change it. And so we're going to we're going to base the complexity index on the number of families that actually sign up for TANF and SNAP, which in their minds was a better indicator of poverty. And so because of that. Less funding was going 
into the complexity index and they could push more funding into the basic grant, which in what they told me was then every school district in the state would receive more money. But the result of that... <laughs> the devil's in the details. The devil's in the details. <laughs> the result of that is that, yes, the basic grant for everyone did go up rather significantly. In fact, the last five years, it's gone up for everyone 14.3%. That's a lot of money. <laughs> but you're getting ready to say, but... But, <laughs> dot, 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 but, because of the reduction of the complexity grant... And school districts that don't have a significant population of poverty, their reductions were a lot less dollars than the reductions at Evansville and Fort Wayne and Wayne Township and other places that have high-complexity students. So that, that's how it happened and, and the reason why it, it, it's, they were able to increase funding in the basic grant, which resulted in low-complexity districts actually getting more of the pie. And how long did you say this has really been going? About six, little six years or so. So after six years, for districts that, that you're representing, urban districts, it's starting to add up. There's been a significant decrease in the, the amount of additional dollars. And that, that's, that's a comp, that's, I, I know it's like a, almost like a double negative, what I just mm. said right now. It's, the increase has been lower than the increases for the low-complexity school districts. So the increases for the Evansvilles and the Fort Waynes and the Indianapolis public schools have, have, have not been very much, which means it hasn't really been able to keep up with inflation. Well, sure. Yeah. You know, health care costs continue to rise. You know, your, your utilities and trying to pay teachers more money, all of that's very important. But when the increases are so little, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of school districts in this state, both in urban and in the rural part of the state, that have high-complexity student populations. It's very difficult to give teachers a significant raise because the money is sure. just not coming in. Well, when the net result is what you're saying is, is a minimal increase that doesn't keep pace with inflation, which, for example, we're in here in EVSC. Uh, once you factor in the next year for the budget, uh, we're running it, I think, 10 years consecutively where we're actually not keeping pace with inflation. It starts to add up. It sure does. In fact, even though I, I would never say Evansville's in a good situation with their funding increase, it's better than some. Mm -hmm. There's districts up in Lake County like East Chicago where in the last five years they've actually had a negative 2% increase. Whiting, a negative 3% increase. IPS in Indianapolis, a negative 1% increase. Wayne Township on the west side of Indianapolis, a 0% increase. That's in five years. So how do you keep up with your yeah. bills when you have negative? That's why districts are tapping into their rainy day funds and other reserves right. just to keep pace with what's going on. So let me ask you this, Dave. I know you've got a... a working relationship with legislators as, as you're in Indianapolis and you're serving in some ways as an advocate for urban schools. Is there an awareness starting to develop? Are they looking at these numbers and saying, my goodness, we've got some districts that are serving uh, um, more students coming from poverty backgrounds. Look at their increases versus wealthier districts that are seeing much larger district or much larger increases. Now we need to do something. Are you getting that feeling or not? I really am. Okay, I, I'm very. So that's the good news. <laughs> that's the good news. I am being very critical about what's happened in the past six or so years okay. about this, but I'm not critical of the people that I have been working with at the state house on both good. sides of the aisle. Okay, 
the Democratic Party is is right on board. They understand what's been going on. They're helping us as much as they can. Uh, the Republican Party, we're, we're, we have people in the Republican Party in the State House that are really, really interested in what I had to say and the data that I'm sharing with them. Mm-hmm. To the point where last year, um, uh, several associations hired a, a man named Dr. Robert Takushian out of the University of Georgia, mm-hmm. who used to be at Indiana University Bloomington, and he is a school funding expert. We asked him to do a dive into the complexity index history and kind of patterns. And so it was funded by my associate, my organization, the Urban Schools Association, school boards, superintendents, uh, the Rural Association, and the business officials. We funded this study, and he came up with uh, uh, several conclusions that made lots of waves at the State House in the, in the, past, um, the past semester. And that is when you take inflation into account, he looked all the way back to 2010. Mm-hmm. If you use 2019 dollars, we're actually funding education a thousand dollars a child less today than we did in 2010, mainly because of the shift in the complexity index. Okay, like uh, I, I give him my presentation so often. I know these these statistics. The tuition support piece that was complexity funding was over 17 percent in 2010. Now it's now it's below 10 percent. So that's wow. that's the shift sure. that's been going on, that's been going on in funding. Now, I'm, I'm, uh, I need to say this though too is that I get pushback from from legislators that say, "Yeah, hey, I was going to ask you, what is we've been providing the 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 most significant dollars we've ever provided? We we spend more than fifty percent of the state budget on K twelve public education." And I always say yes, but that doesn't mean it's being funded appropriately. Mm-hmm. Uh, Indiana has really been been in in a situation where it's not been funding its public education for so long that even last year's significant seven hundred and fifty nine million dollars, the largest amount ever, which is great, mm-hmm. but it, we're still woefully behind, even with the surrounding Midwestern states. So you're saying if you and and we hear this, but I want verification. From you, so if you look in the Midwest region, Indiana is still at the bottom of yes. states around us. Yes, we are thirty. In my research, I show that we are thirty eighth in the nation in, in funding in tuition support for public education in Indiana. So, do other states do they have a, a factor of a complexity? Yes. If yes. You like this? Various or index. They do. They do. And I didn't mean to interrupt. But no. 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 The, uh, the we are one of only. Six states in the United States that just use TANF and SNAP to okay. indicate poverty. Uh, many of the uh, states use free and reduced lunch. Maybe they use TANF and SNAP. And and one of Dr. Takushian's recommendations was to use multiple mm-hmm. identifiers well, it makes of sense. poverty, not just TANF and SNAP. SNAP because he he made a very keen observation. Whether it's free and reduced lunch forms or TANF and SNAP, whenever you have a, a program that relies on self-reporting, mm-hmm. it's going to be undercounted because people choose sure. whether it's from pride or they just don't want to do it. They choose not to submit the forms. Right. Well, that doesn't mean they're, that they're not, they're not poor. Right. They're just not submitting the right paperwork to get 
the, the so you're saying if you have more factors to contribute, right. it can kind of balance. Like the that Census out. Bureau, the Census Bureau has poverty rates on every neighborhood in the nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could even look at possibility of tax forms. We could use um, uh, free and reduced lunch, TANF, and so we could use multiple factors would provide a more accurate count of poverty in our schools. So you said you're starting to get, um, I think, a more positive feel that feeling that there is an awareness of this yes, through I, lots yeah. of conversations at the state. So yes. do you see change? I know you don't have a crystal ball in front of you, but do you see the chance of change in the next year, two years, three years? Well, it, it, yeah, again, it's it's I don't have a crystal ball. And, and you know, my job is to make make everyone at the statehouse aware right. of what's going on. Um, many of them weren't aware. Um, there's a lot of new legislators at the state house, and many of them were not aware as to what's been happening over the past several bienniums. Uh, and so, I hope to make an impact. But unless the pie gets bigger, mm-hmm. if if the pie doesn't get bigger, and if you want, and if the if you start funding the urban schools and high poverty rural schools more. Where is it going to come from? Right. So uh, not only am I advocating for increasing the complexity grant funding, I'm advocating for increasing funding overall. Sure. So in other words, you're saying the Urban Schools Association isn't say saying let's take away from our suburban districts. You're saying keep funding them. Absolutely But not. let's add more to right. the pie so that there's more for yeah. all, so, which the result is going to be. And I, I think sometimes this – gets left behind, the result is a more successful school experience for kids. I mean, that's Everyone. what we're talking about here in a nutshell, for kids. I am not critical of the high, of the low, com- low complexity school districts. They did need more funding. Mm-hmm. They did. They, they were getting growing. They had additional enrollment. They were needing to build schools. New neighborhoods, new suburbs, they couldn't those afford th- things. Sure. So the, the, the scheme changed then. Okay, we're going to change the way we fund so we can push more money to those schools that need to, to do that, raise raise the teacher salaries in the suburban areas of, of the state, and 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 help them build buildings, but at what expense? Sure. Well, my data shows it's at the, at the expense of the high poverty districts in urban areas and rural areas. Now, I I don't blame the growing and uh, the growing and suburban school districts. In fact, one of my slides at the school board meeting tonight, I do show. Mm-hmm. That Evansville Vanderburg School Corporation does receive more money than Warwick County or the Gibson County schools or Mount Vernon and so forth. They are they do receive less funds. I, I want to make sure that's that's abundantly mm-hmm. clear. I'm not suggesting that the suburban Evansville school districts are receiving more money than Evansville Vanderburg. Evansville Vanderburg is still receiving more money. It's just in the past three bienniums, any additional money has been a lot less than sure. the suburban school districts. And again, they needed it too. Sure. So it's time, instead of robbing Peter to pay Paul or however you want to say it and shuffling the, the shells on the table, we need to increase funding overall for K-12 public education. Absolutely. Right. And, and again – Everyone deserves more funding if we really want our students to be successful. But again, this is based on the premise that urban districts across the state of Indiana have a higher percentage of students that 
are more expensive in terms of cost for education because there are additional supports and resources needed. Am I, is that right? Tell me if I'm wrong. You're spot on. Okay. And that's part of my presentation tonight, too. I, I go into why it costs more to educate a high-poverty student. I call it more hands on deck. Hmm. You have more people within the school district that provide support for students of poverty. That could be smaller class sizes, which mean you need to hire additional teachers. It could mean additional counselors or behavior specialists. Mm-hmm. Um, we're increasing security in our schools. Mm-hmm. That's very expensive. There's there's lots of reasons and lots of people that we need to support children in all school districts, but especially in the high poverty school districts. That's why it costs more money. Sure, sure. I know we talked a lot about, and I don't want to call anyone out, but we did talk a lot about the General Assembly, the legislators in the state. What about the governor's office? Does Governor Holcomb, does he factor into this? Is there an awareness there, or or is this something that's really not in his arena yet? It's more with the General Assembly. It's it's in his arena. I was uh, I met with the governor last year, and, and he, he, he gets it. Mm-hmm. Uh, governor Holcomb gets it. Um, he, he doesn't get it to the point where he's going to make a change mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point. So that's why we're, we're still needing to chip away at, right. at this. Uh, his, his main focus right now, and it has to be teacher salaries. Mm-hmm. We're all very disappointed that um, nothing happened this legislative session mm-hmm. to assist school districts to pay our teachers more. Because uh, this could be another topic for another day, but sure. the crisis in public education right now is the lack of students – enrolled at our universities wanting to be a teacher. Absolutely. Recruiting and retaining teachers. There's a great phrase that nobody goes into teaching for the money, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people leave teaching for the money. Mm. No, that makes perfect sense. And so that's a crisis. And that crisis has been impacted by the lack of funding. You know, when you're 22, 23 years old, you come out of college and you're passionate and you, you get into that classroom and you're doing great work. And I call it mission work. You love your kids and they love you and you're really rocking and rolling in the classroom. And then life starts to happen. Mm-hmm. You, you, you get married maybe or you have a family maybe or you have a mortgage maybe. Mm-hmm. And things, you know, five, six, seven years down the road, you're like, gee, I – I can't live. I need I more money in my monthly budget. Right. <laughs> to and so that's a certain quality of life. That's, that's why a significant number of teachers leave, not because they don't like the kids or they don't like teaching. It's because it's tough to support a family on sure. a teacher's salary. Until, until they stay in this business for a long, long time, you can. Maybe you're married to a teacher and the mm. two of you together might have a nice uh, family income but but that that's really the crisis i sure. see in education right now and especially in the state of indiana i mean when you reel off some of the statistics you did earlier earlier yeah. about not only how we compare to surrounding states but really in the nation and we're at the right. bottom uh well, it's I talk, scary. It is scary. And I talk to superintendents uh, uh, in our association that are up in Lake County. They're losing teachers left and right to Illinois. Mm-hmm. South Bend, our teachers are moving to Michigan um, they, where they have higher salaries. And it's mm-hmm. it, it's not rocket science. Right, right. It's not rocket science. So right. we need to figure out a way in Indiana to pay our teachers a higher salary so we can keep them in the classrooms. Amen. 
<laughs> Let me ask you this one time here before we wrap up. So again, as you look to the presentation like you're doing for our school board or future uh, presentations, what is really the one key thing that you want members of elected school boards to know in this state when you leave after a presentation? There's two things that I want sure. the school boards and the public who attend these yeah, absolutely. To, to take away. I want them to understand what's been happening to the complexity index, the money that districts receive to educate high-poverty students. Mm-hmm. That's been greatly reducing, been reduced in the, in, the, in the past several years. So they understand that it's tough to continue your, your programming and paying your teachers and all the other things that cost money when the increases are just not able to cut it. And the second thing is, why does it cost more money to educate high-poverty students? And if we understand that, and hopefully legislators after enough information, yes. we'll start to understand that. Well, and that's, and I change. guess, I guess I'll say a third point is that I, I leave by saying that the elevator speech is, if we believe in public K twelve education, right, then we need to contact our legislators in a very professional way. That okay, I understand that this has been happening. What are you going? What are you folks going to be doing about that in Indianapolis? How are we going to increase? funding for Evansville Vanderburg School Corporation. How? What are you going to do? Because we have tremendous programs here. We have mm-hmm. IB. We have the arts. We have, we have early college. High, you have so many great things going on in this school district. Unless the funding increases, it's going to be difficult to maintain those programs, difficult to pay your teachers, and difficult to recruit teachers mm-hmm. to, to work in, in your school system. I think that's very well said. Dave Marcotte from the Indiana Association of Urban Schools or the Urban Schools Association. We appreciate you taking the time. This is great information to share. It may be a little complex, but I think you've done a great job of making it so people can understand it. So thanks for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate it.